Welcome to NFP's Insights from the Experts podcast. Each episode showcases timely expertise and perspective from members of the NFP community, delivering information, analysis, and solutions that address our clients' most significant challenges. Hello, and welcome to NFP's Benefits Compliance Podcast. My name is Patrick Myers, and I'm here today with my colleague, Suzanne Spradley. We're part of the legal and compliance team here at NFP, and today we wanted to talk about developments in benefits compliance, specifically an increase in HIPAA breaches that we've seen in recent years. So to get started, Suzanne, why don't you give us a quick background? Yes, I think it started with the move to electronic health records, and then that coupled with the pandemic um, used, increased the use of telehealth. So we have an ever-increasing amount of healthcare data that's being generated and stored electronically. And so the fact is data breaches and hacks and ransomware are not new, but the actors, the bad actors, are actively exploiting this window of opportunity due to the COVID uh, restraints that are on our resources during the pandemic. And so we've seen definitely an increase in um, some HIPAA breaches. So what is happening with enforcement and what kinds of breaches are we seeing? Well, to provide some context to the volume of breaches in 2020, healthcare data breaches of 500 or more records were reported at a rate of more than 1.76 per day. And 2020 saw 642 large data breaches. Obviously, that's not the, the full compass of data breaches, but that's the large data breaches, which was a 25% increase from 2019. Of course, you know, even smaller breaches can have a devastating impact. And so it's important that we, um, you know, focus on HIPAA and make sure that we're doing everything that we can to comply. Obviously, the majority of breaches occur within the healthcare sector. And again, for perspective, the average cost of a single data breach in the healthcare industry averaged over $7 million in 2020. Another plug for why you, you want to have some type of uh, insurance to cover this. But Employers with group health plans and their business associates are certainly not immune to breaches, especially given the use of new technologies such as cloud environments. So we're seeing more and more organizations migrating their data to the cloud um, because of remote workers. And so, again, this is just an area of vulnerability under HIPAA. Okay. So before we get down into the details, could you provide us with a quick overview of the laws? Yes, HIPAA, as our audience knows, applies to covered entities and their business associate. And a covered entity, aside from being healthcare provider, also includes a group health plan, which is our audience. Business associates can run the gamut and include all types of service providers and vendors that support the healthcare entities and the group health plans and which have access to PHI. But when we, we talk about the breaches, HIPAA defines a breach as an impermissible use or disclosure under the HIPAA privacy rule that compromises the security or privacy of PHI. So as we remember, the HIPAA privacy rule says you may disclose PHI for certain circumstances. Um, when you do it outside of those bounds, then it's considered an impermissible use or disclosure. Yeah, and if there's a breach, uh, a HIPAA has certain notification requirements, right? Yes, we have all um, lived with this for some time and have seen HIPAA. We've probably all experienced a HIPAA breach notification at some point. And if you haven't experienced a breach yourself, it's really probably only a matter of time. But HIPAA requires a covered entity or BA, business associate to notify individuals when there's been a security incident that results in the breach of their unsecured PHI. And unsecured is kind of a key term there because it really means unencrypted. 
But if the breach affects more than 500 residents in a state, then they must notify the media that serves that state, and they must notify the Department of HHS secretary, which is never a good thing to notify HHS that you're you have a, an incident that has occurred. No, it's not. So let's dig into the enforcement process a bit more. If my organization has a breach, what kind of penalties or enforcement actions are possible? What am I looking at? Well, the OCR, which is the Office of Civil Rights, that's the enforcement arm of HHS. That's the federal entity that governs HIPAA. OCR may impose civil monetary penalties, which we refer to as CMPs, um, when there's a HIPAA violation, or they could reach a resolution by informal means that requires the covered entity or the business associate to complete a corrective action plan or a cap, as we refer to it, that typically results in a lesser civil monetary penalty, but the caps require the covered entity to comply with a number of different requirements and could include things like revising and distributing uh, its HIPAA policies and procedures. It could provide HIPAA training to its workforce or a number of other different measures. And they have to report back to the OCR during their cap period, which could be as long as one to three years. And so what we've seen is that some entities have preferred to just pay the civil monetary penalties rather than entered into a corrective action plan that's ongoing you know, monitoring period for over, you know, up to three years. Yeah, I can certainly see that. Now, I know that one of your interest areas is HIPAA risk assessments. That seems to be an area that HHS is focusing on during audits and other investigations, right? You, you're right. And it's often one of those things that is uh, they point to when they are levying penalties. But it seems that many covered entities and business associates are not aware of the mandate that they conduct a HIPAA risk assessment. So that means even, you know, those your group health plans must conduct HIPAA risk assessments. We actually hired an individual several years back who just focuses on this for our organization. We have we're a business associate and we're also a covered entity because we have a group health plan. Um, but what it requires is that the BA, the business associate or the covered entity, kind of take stock of where their PHI is located within their systems and look at the security associated with those uh, with that PHI and what are the risks associated therewith. And then, of course, mitigate any risks that are identified. But it really it is an issue that's often cited by OCR when it levies penalties, for example, one of the larger penalties that was assessed came in this year uh, in 2021 in, in January against Excelsis Health Plan. They had to pay a $5.1 million uh, civil monetary penalty and enter into a corrective action plan. And it was related to a ma- malware attack in which names, addresses, birth dates, email addresses, social security numbers, bank account information, and claims data of about 9.3 million individuals were exposed. And they stated that the health plan failed, among other things, to complete an enterprise-wide HIPAA risk security assessment. And so that's very important. And again, this really pertains to electronic PHI. When we talk about security risk assessments, it's it's really only dealing with electronic um, PHI. That doesn't mean that HIPAA doesn't extend to paper-based PHI. But when you talk about a risk assessment, it's only looking at it from an electronic standpoint. And given the fact that we have a lot more electronic transmission of data going on right now is certainly something we need to be focusing on. Absolutely. So are there any recent changes to these laws? Well, in terms of enforcement, in January of this year, Congress enacted a law that amended HITECH, the HITECH Act. And so now OCR must consider whether the covered entity or business associate that is under investigation 
has, quote, a recognized security practice in place for at least the last 12 months. And if they do, then HHS must mitigate its fines and remedies. And it could even issue, you know, like a favorable audit termination if if they have these security practices in place. So it's another plug to make sure that you're doing everything that you should be from your organization standpoint and make sure that you're crossing your T's and dotting your I's with regard to your security practices. Yeah, that's good to know. But uh, let's get back to the breaches. What types of issues are we seeing? The two main areas continue to be ransomware attacks and then employee errors, um, such as responding to phishing emails. I don't know if uh, in your organizations you have some practices that try to identify and educate employees on phishing emails. I think our organization does a phenomenal job in ongoing training that that occurs monthly to remind us of all the various different ways that bad actors are trying to get at our data and trying to trip us up. Um, There is the occasional rogue employee, but that seems to happen less often than just pure employee mistakes of clicking on phishing emails or so forth. But one case involved a former employee at the University Hospital in Newark that um, accessed information without authorization over the course of a year and then subsequently disclosed that information to uh, individuals who weren't supposed to have access to that information. That former employee had been provided access to patient data to complete certain work duties, but had exceeded its authorized use of that access and viewed patient data that wasn't pertinent to their job duties. And so obviously there wasn't a good outcome for that individual, but again, it's a reminder that you need to have certain security protocols in place that individuals cannot access data that they should not have access to, and that there are some checks and balances to ensure that individuals' um, access is terminated when it should be terminated. When we uh, talk about ransomware, there was recently a joint alert that was issued by the FBI, NSA, and the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, which is CISA. Um, And it was about the ongoing Black Matter ransomware attacks. And this is a group that has been conducting attacks in the U.S. since uh, July of 2021. And it seems that there's evidence that has linked this gang to the dark side ransomware, which you may have heard of because it conducted the attacks on the Colonial Pipeline. I'm sure you you heard of that in the news. So the, the group is very active and they're known to use previously compromised credentials to gain access to victims' networks. And so within this notice and this alert, there's a number of mitigation tactics that they outline and, and suggest in order to try to mitigate any harm that could come from this. Um, One of those tactics, which we've certainly implemented in our organization, is a multi-factor authentication to block the use of stolen credentials. So I certainly recommend pulling up that joint alert on Black Matter ransomware attacks and making sure that your organization is fully um, outfitted, I should say, to make sure that you're able to, to handle one of these ransom attacks. And this stuff sounds like it come right out of a thriller. (laughs) <laughs> and obviously, we could talk about HIPAA for hours, and we haven't even touched on the state requirements. But let's bring this back to the employers. What are the most common HIPAA violations that have resulted in fines? Well, um, you know, actually, before I get to that, I, you mentioned state requirements. That's true. As an employer, you must make sure that if you do have a breach, you check to see what state obligations there are. Every state, it started back really with California back in 2002 when they had their own breach notification requirements, and every state to date probably has some sort of one, but they do differ in terms of how they define a breach and and the types of notifications that are required. And they're quite aggressive in their implementation. So 
definitely make sure you're checking out your state law if you do happen to have a breach. But the types of HIPAA violations that we're seeing that result in fine for a group health plan are failure to perform a HIPAA risk assessment, which we talked about earlier, failure to enter into HIPAA compliant business associate agreements. Um, And remember, the business associates are those companies um, that are doing something on the group health plan's behest and they have access to PHI. And so they must, uh, it used to be that they were only governed by HIPAA via a business associate agreement contracts, but now they are also governed directly by the law. But nonetheless, they both, both the business associate and the covered entity has an obligation to enter into a BAA, a business associate agreement to ensure that data is being utilized in compliance with HIPAA. Then obviously we have impermissible PHI disclosures will result in a fine and delayed breach notification. If you do have a breach, you you really need to get on that very quickly and make sure what your notification obligations are. The first thing is to conduct a breach assessment, by the way, and document that breach assessment and then go forward with a notification when it's required. And of course it goes without saying that fines will be levied for failure to safeguard PHI. So when there is a breach and if you have not put in the proper safeguards that are required under HIPAA, you could be fined for just your failure to uh, implement those security safeguards. And once a HIPAA risk assessment is performed, if you don't mitigate the risks that have been identified by that assessment, that's never a good thing. It's like putting policies in place without just on paper, without really uh, fulfilling them in practice. And so with all of those things, this is just really as a reminder that HIPAA is alive and well, enforcement of HIPAA is alive and well, and it's even more important in these days with the pandemic and more electronic PHI that's going back and forth among group health plans, business associates, and certainly healthcare providers. Well, Suzanne, thank you so much for taking the time to discuss this uh, timely issue with us today. So as we like to say in the podcast world, that's that's a wrap. wrap. Thank you very much for joining.